Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Today we're bringing you a short but sweet dose of LGBTQ plus goodness. During LGBTQ plus history month, we spoke to some great individuals from the community. Introducing Rachel Dax. Hello, this is Rachel Dax and I'm a lesbian and I write LGBT novels and I write, direct and produce LGBT films. The first question is about what life was like growing up for me. I'm 48 now, so I had my childhood in the 70s and 80s, and I grew up in a town called Sutton Coldfield, which although technically is part of Birmingham, is actually a town in its own right and has a very different culture from central Birmingham. Consequently, I grew up in a deeply conservative environment, and although my family are working class, Sutton Coldfield is a very middle class area. So it was extremely conservative. And even though quite radical things were happening in inner city Birmingham, none of them really filtered down to where I was as a child. So consequently, growing up in the 70s and 80s in that environment, being a lesbian was probably the most shameful thing possible. And I was always a gender non-conforming child. And I got into trouble a lot at school for wanting to wear trousers, for having my hair cut, for wanting to play with the boys. And I think perhaps people might have spotted I was a lesbian in my teenage years. But I think as a stroke of luck for me at the time, given the environment I was in, I got a whopper crush on a gay male teacher at a secondary school. And it meant that people assumed I was straight. And consequently, people left me alone. And I was just this short haired girl, but nobody thought I was a lesbian at all. Somewhere around Around the age of about 15, I got a crush on a girl at my church. And that was when I started to become aware that I was a lesbian. But because I was very, very religious at this point, I was a born again Christian. I spent a lot of time praying and praying and praying for God to take the feelings away. And I spent many, many hours soul searching, wringing my hands and struggling with the fact that I was falling in love with girls left, right and centre. Thankfully, because the crush on the gay man had been quite large and people were aware of it, it wasn't really until I was about 17 or 18 that people started to make comments about the way I looked and said that I looked more like a man than a woman. And I did things like grow my hair a bit longer and try to conform and have boyfriends and such. But I knew that I was a lesbian because it didn't matter how many boyfriends I had, the, the feelings regarding women were not going away. So even though I was still very religious and I'd even 
and thought about becoming a preacher, I decided to go to university in London because I had a feeling deep inside that the lesbian stuff was not going to go away. And although I didn't really know any lesbians, because there was chatter on news programs and uh, there was something called Out on Tuesday, which was a program on Channel 4 that I managed to get snippets of, I had a sense that in London there would be other girls like me and if I got to the point where I couldn't go on any longer I could find other women and come out. So I kind of knew that London was the only place I could go and have the breathing room I'd need in order to come to terms with my own sexuality. And although it still took me a few months of living in London eventually I got to the point where I was so bursting inside that I finally came to terms with it and I came out to some friends who I knew were gay and before I knew it I was out on the London scene and eventually I started working at a very famous gay bar and nightclub called The Bell. So how has life changed since then is the second half of the question. Well, it's changed radically. Gay people can get married now. The age of consent changed for gay men. Representation on television just has become more and more prevalent and more and more positive. Yes, still, sometimes we end up with the lesbian being killed off, but the lesbians are there. They're in soaps, they're in dramas. In the world of film, although there's still a lot of work to be done, there are more positive representations of women in Hollywood film particularly and lesbian characters are appearing in a multiplicity of places. So life has changed radically and an example of this would be I can now walk into a restaurant in Sutton Coalfield and people will not stare at me even though I'm still what would be regarded as a gender non-conforming woman because I have very short hair and dress in what other people would regard as male clothes even though I would say they're my clothes. So I, yeah, life has changed massively and even in my family environment my mum and dad sent my partner and I a card saying to my daughter and her partner and on the card was an image of two women holding hands and when we got together 24 years ago the thought that a that there would be a be a card with two women holding hands on it in the first place would have just been a fantasy the idea that my parents would get to the point where they were so unfazed by my sexuality that they could send me a card with that on the front or rather us a card with that on the front I mean it's just absolutely incredible So life has changed beyond recognition and that's only a good thing. Memory, my most potent LGBT memory probably I think was going to a night called Venus Rising which was held at a nightclub called The Fridge in Brixton in London, going there for the first time and although I'd come out and I'd been to a few gay bars where there were women, I had never seen so many lesbians in one place at the same time. There must have been in about 2,000 women there. It was absolutely extraordinary. And women of every shape, size, culture and class all mixed together, dancing, drinking and having fun. And I remember thinking that this was where I was no longer alone. I wasn't just somebody who was a lesbian with a few friends who were gay. There was actually a massive community. And even if I never went back to Sutton Coalfield, there would always be others like me and I'd always be able to find people like myself 
and I would have a very happy and fulfilled life. So yeah, Venus rising, I think the very first time I went there was probably my most profound memory. Okay, another question on the list is which bits of LGBT history are forgotten? Well, I think lesbians are being written out of LGBT history, not only by non-LGBT people, but by the LGBT community itself. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've seen writing about the rise of Stonewall in it, where the drag queens and the trans women are mentioned, people, fantastic people like Marsha P. Johnson are mentioned, but the lesbian who was right at the forefront of that, Storme de Lavari, is missed out of the story, and, and she was there too. And I think that's really, really worrying because women generally tend to get written out of history, but lesbian women particularly get written out of history. Other things, I think, I think the very potent scene where lesbian spaces and bars, which were very mixed, lesbian and gay, that was around in the ni- 1990s and in the early 80s and late 80s as well, but I was wasn't around in London then. But the early 1990s scene has kind of been largely forgotten. But I worked at the Bell and I was there from 1991 to 1994. And it was a hugely mixed venue. You could go in there any night of the week and it would be 50-50 lesbian and gay. And they had different nights on, which meant that people of all ages came as well. So you had nights where it might be mainly younger people, but also on a Sunday there was something called Joe Purvis's tea dance. Joe Purvis was an old dyke and she ran this tea dance for years. I think it might have even started in the lesbian club called Gateways which was long gone by the time I hit London and at the tea dance it started off with music from the 1940s and 50s and people doing ballroom dancing and then before you knew it it was in the 60s and then it went up to the 70s, 80s and then the 90s and people were dancing to contemporary music by the end of the night but people of all ages came to that and again it was very very mixed and one of the things that I found about that night as well was that a lot of we called them transvestites at the time probably a lot of trans women who hadn't come out fully used to come to that as well so it was a really mixed venue and with a huge variety of LGBT people and it was immense fun too and then there were the other spaces again the 50-50 spaces the locomotion in Leicester Square was always busy and always very 50-50 first out cafe bar I worked there one summer very 50-50 and they had a women only night on a Friday night downstairs Duke of Wellington is in Islington there was a space at the back where only lesbians went and there was a pool table there and people from all over used to go there. And then there were some really popular women's nights. There was a thing called the Ace of Clubs, which was held in the most bizarrely decorated club full of velveteen, red velveteen kind of padded surfaces, but was a fantastic fun night to go to as a lesbian. And lots of different types of lesbians went there, not just the ones that dressed 
dressed like me in the kind of trendy scene uniform of Doc Martin's Levi's jeans and a leather jacket. There were other lesbians there who dressed quite differently and it was a really mixed night as well. And uh, there were all sorts of pop-up lesbian nights. Now, I haven't lived in London for a while, but my understanding is that there are very few places like that now and, and there are very few lesbian spaces left. And I guess that's one of the downsides of being normalised is that people don't flock en masse to certain bars in order to feel less lonely, more secure and more included. But actually one loses something as a consequence of those spaces no longer existing. So for me, it's kind of sad, really, that that life is being forgotten because it was so important. And for many of the people of my generation and uh, my partner's generation, who's 10 years older than me, those spaces were really, really vitally important for feeling loved and feeling like one had a community and a family. So I think, yeah, it's quite sad that those lesbian spaces particularly or lesbian friendly spaces particularly have seem to have disappeared. And it seems to be the case in Cardiff too where I live. There are some clubs that are good for young people but they're more male dominated and there don't seem to be as many places where you can go and have a sense of real community. It's more based around clubbing and drinking and it seems to be much more male heavy. Final question is, can I give advice to young LGBT folk? I think the greatest advice I can give is to learn to love yourself. And I know that sounds a bit of a cliche, but I think it really is true. Unless you learn to love yourself, you will find life as an LGBT person quite tough because there will always be homophobic and transphobic people. And there will always be situations, even if it doesn't happen in this country, in other countries where you feel under threat. So learning to love yourself and value yourself and really build your own self-esteem, I think, is hugely important. But that is a journey throughout life that never really ends. The way I did it, it may or may not work for you, is I started reading really cheesy American self-help books and New Age books on how to be happy and how to be fulfilled. But what I made sure I did was I only took the advice that worked and ditched the rest. So have a look at those types of books Read them all, take what works for you and anything that doesn't ring true, don't bother with it. But allow yourself to do exercises, whether they be affirmations or meditations or positive thinking regimes. Allow yourself to do those things because that will help you build confidence, self-esteem and love yourself. And if you love yourself, it doesn't matter whether you're single or in a relationship, you will have better mental health and you'll be happier. And if you are in a relationship, you'll make sure that you're only in a healthy relationship. And if your relationship that you find yourself in is toxic, you'll find ways to get out of that relationship much more quickly than if you don't love yourself and your self-esteem is low. The other bit of advice I would give you is 
is not to worry too much if you don't know what you want to do yet. There's plenty of time and you can still create a magnificent life even if you don't know what you want to do in your mid-twenties. I didn't know I wanted to be a filmmaker and a writer until my very late twenties and early thirties and it's only now in my late forties that I'm having great success. However, I've had a fantastic life and a fantastic journey exploring my creativity and doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things with theatre and film and writing. So follow the dream, but don't worry too much if you don't know what that dream is yet. You've got plenty of time. Okay, I hope that helps. Don't forget to let us know that you've listened to us on socials. We're on Instagram at queer underscore talk and on Twitter we are queer talk underscore. Until next time, bye! Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.